are in a series called The Dilemma, and we're looking in this great practical book of the Bible called the Book of Proverbs. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and maybe start turning there with me. We'll have a lot of scripture up on screen for you. You can follow me on the device. While you're turning there, I started uh, thinking this week back to, uh, back to 1985. I want to take you to a picture of Bart Howell in 1985, all right? That, was a, that, that is a clean-cut looking kid right there who I want you to know was a straight-up punk, okay? And, and I, was a, I was a kid, freshman over in high school at Boswell High School, right across the road, never thought I'd be a pastor one day, kind of crazy. But I want you to know that that is a picture that happened uh, after I had spent over probably a year growing an epic mullet, okay? I mean epic. I'd worked hard on it. And uh, now I decided that I would take my mullet, which by the way, they are back, right? They're back. Some of you are like, you never knew they went out, but they're back, right? You, you, you've, been, you've been, you know, riding that for a while. Um, but I decided to take the mullet that I had to another level, or we could say another bi-level, okay? And, uh, and so I went to the guy who, who cuts my hair, who still cuts hair in this area, and uh, doesn't cut it anymore, obviously. But I went to see him, and I, and I said, uh, hey, Larry, um, I want you to perm the back of my hair. So not only did I have that long hair, I want you to perm that. And, and, and he knows my dad well, and he said, your dad okay with this? I lied straight up and said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's good with it or whatever, okay? And, and he permed the back of my hair. And uh, now I need you to know that as soon as I got home and, and Pops, that's what I call him, saw me, there was a directive that was given to go right back up there and to tell Larry to cut that off. So there is no physical evidence of the big permed mullet that I had at that point. No physical evidence. So I was like, I just kind of want to show you what kind of it looked like. Okay, so here we go. We pull that up. It was, it was a little curlier than that. I mean, it had some volume, believe it or not. And um, I remember showing back up at the place, and, and, uh, and Larry looked. He said, you lied to me, didn't you? Your dad didn't say that was I said, no, my, my, no, sir, I, I lied. you're right. I did lie to you, but my dad did not give the okay on this. And he said, I need to do something about this. And I know some of you are like, why didn't you just tell Pops what's what? My, my dad is in this church, or right? I don't want you to know. I'm still scared of his looks, okay? He gives looks. Some of you have seen the looks, but so I... So here's, he said, you're going to have to get that cut. So I, I, I had to cut that off, and, uh, and, and I started thinking back, why, why did I care? I mean, I was mad. I was mad at him, and I was, I was mourning the day my mullet died for sure because that was the day that the mullet died for me, and I blame Larry. It's never been the same since, okay? He said it was going to fry my hair and all this stuff. Um, why, why was it so important to me to have that? And I started thinking back this week, because, and I know some of you 80s, 80s guys out there, just about every one of my friends at that time had one. And, and so there, there was some influence. I wanted to kind of be a part of that group. These, and I started thinking back on different seasons of my life, and you can probably start thinking back on some of yours, how the people that we walk with in life, they definitely end up influencing us in certain ways I started thinking about some other things that I look back on and I think, why in the world did I wear these? All right? 80s, again, 
parachute pants. How many of you had some of those? Okay, come on, right? And, uh, and I'm, I'm surprised I ever got out of the house with those with pops around too. But, but parachute pants, you know, some of you think, if we go, it's like, why? Why did I do some of these things? Why did I wear some of these things? And, and, so, and, and, and it's oftentimes because many of our friends are doing this, and we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of something, and, you know, and, and, you know peer pressure and whatnot. But sometimes these friends that we have in our lives, they influence us, and we influence them. And sometimes it's just kind of things that are kind of dumb. Things that we look back on, maybe it was just something that was faddish at the time. But there are also times where those influences lead us into some things that Scripture would call foolish. Not just foolishness and kind of dumb, you know, decisions, but even sinful things that we do. I know some of you could look back on seasons of your life and think back, why did I do that? Why did I cave into that? Why did I go that route? Why did I go that way? You know, as we continue in this powerful, practical book of Proverbs, if you've been reading along in the Proverbs Challenge, and I want to encourage you to invite us, or excuse me, to join us, I invite you to join us, where you can just pick up on whatever day of the month it is and start reading that chapter of Proverbs, but if you've been reading it, you will, you've probably noticed that there are so many things that emphasize the nature of relationships specifically the people you are walking with in life, your friendships. The people that you do life with, that you're journeying with. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, Solomon, who wrote this, would say, the righteous, or those who are seeking wisdom, look at what they do. I want you to say the next part with me out loud. Choose their friends, what? Carefully. It's a choice that you make. But the way of the wicked, do you see the word the way? You'll hear the way, you'll hear the path that comes up a lot. These ways, the way of the wicked, he says, leads them astray. There are these decisions that we make in our life, and one of the biggest decisions that we make as we come to these, this, this fork in the trail, there is a, a way that leads into wisdom, and then the scripture will say there are ways that lead to destruction. And oftentimes, we find ourselves being pulled into foolishness. Many times it's, we're being enticed because many of our friends maybe are on a path of foolishness. And we end up making decisions that we regret and we think, man, why in the world did I do this? Why, why do I keep ending up in the same patterns that I don't like about myself here or I want to see change? And scripture would say that there is this general wisdom principle. And, and again, if you are a parent, you know how true this is and you know how much you and I, we want our kids to understand this. Here is the principle, the direction and quality of your life is often determined by the direction and quality of your friendships. The direction, the way that you're going, and the quality of what you're experiencing. Many times, you know, we look back on our life and we understand something. It's been said, I, I didn't come up with this, but here's what it says, is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me the people that you are journeying with in life, and I can kind of tell you where you're most likely going to end up as you journey with some people together. You are made to journey through life. Now, as we talk about pursuing this path of wisdom, what it looks like to become more and more wise in the way that we, we, we live our lives, as we talk about friendships, this is what I know, and, and, and I know that life is complicated, but I know this, friendships are complicated. It, it, it's complicated in how we choose and who we choose to walk with and who we do life with. 
and I'll explain that. That's why it's so important, because it's complicated, that number one, that you have a book like Proverbs to help you navigate that, but also those of you who are in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who, who is your teacher and counselor and wants to help you, coupled with God's word here. Solomon's feelings on this issue of, of how critical it is, the choices we make in friendships, Solomon would say this. Remember, he's trying to, trying to bring up his son, his, his children, in a way that would be wise. And he says this to them. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The people that you're journeying with. But look at this. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. I like how Eugene Peterson, in the paraphrase, in the message, he says it like this. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools, fools and watch your life fall to pieces. When you think about some of the people that maybe you invite in and that you hang out with, and we want to look today at some categories of friendships. And we want to consider and assess friendships, no doubt, that are in our lives, but I also feel it's imperative in a message like this that every one of us understands that we all are flawed, we all are messed up in one way or another because of our sin and we all make mistakes in these things but here, here's the thing we need to assess ourselves as friends what kind of friend am i what, what does that look like as i as i'm journeying with people if 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 those who who are wise and they and they become wiser by walking with people who are wise do people are people wiser by being around me or do i pull them in a negative direction i need to look at myself in this as well and these categories of friendship I know it's complicated sometimes we think everything is just so black and white like you've got friends and then you have enemies and I know that that's Solomon would would show us that's not necessarily the way things are you've got a lot of different streams of relationships that are flowing into your life what Proverbs helps us do is helps us sift through what real friends are and what we would even say faux friends are these pseudo friendships or there's right there's acquaintances there's surface friends there's pseudo friendships and then there are true friendships and and you know this right there's very few true friends in our lives this helps us discern this it helps us look at this today we want to look at the depth of our relationships and our friendships. We wanna, we wanna assess our friends, but we also, we want to assess the kind of friend that I am, are people becoming wise by being around me. Parents, I gotta tell you that Proverbs, maybe, if you are a parent, Proverbs most likely for me, it has been a parenting manuscript, right? It helps us, un it's, it's designed to help us parent and raise our kids to make good, wise choices. And so there's gonna be some things as you're helping your kids, you know how important their friendships are. You probably care about that, maybe more than, the, who are they doing life with? There are some things that is, if you look at these, you're, you're also gonna be able to take these and help your kids as you parent them, as you're the primary disciplers of your kids. Categories of friends, I wanna give you some scriptures and then we'll give the point. And here's what Proverbs 14, seven says as we look at the first one. And we'll spend more time on this one than the others, but I promise we'll get through this. Stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. There's something to do with the things that they say, the way they are. Proverbs 22, make no friendship with a man given to anger. That's not saying if we lose our, that's a guy who is just, 
He is so filled with wrath all the time. He's in conflict, everybody he's with. Nor go with the wrathful man, lest you learn his ways. And then what does it say? And say it with me, entangle yourself. Entangle yourself in a snare. This would be what we would call the foolish friend. The foolish friend is the one that you may really love them. They may be the life of the party. They may be fun to be around all of the time, but it seems like when you are around them, what you have found is there is a pattern that is within you that you seem to be influenced into negativity or negative things or things that are sinful, things that aren't wise that the Bible would speak about. They most likely mean no malice toward you. They, they, they probably like you. They mean no malice towards you. You might even enjoy their company, but you find that when you have been around them, your life gets complicated. You find that you make more mistakes and you sin more. You find that you, you end up making poor decisions. They, they, they may be filled with advice, but rarely is it godly advice or good advice. It's advice that if you followed it, complicates your life and you find yourself ensnared with problems in this, right? Again, they may be people that you love, but what scripture would warn about is this being in your inner circle of friendships. Really being careful with this. Now you may be thinking, as we think about this, again, it could fall into just dumb decisions, but it also could just be some sinful things that when you're around them, you end up doing what, you don't even, many times don't want to do this, but you end up being influenced and you end up, end up making the same mistake over and over again. I'll give you an example. Maybe this person that is your friend, they are, all they ever do is complain. All they ever do, they're negative. Everybody and everything, everyone out there is an idiot. And you find that when you are around them, you start agreeing and joining in on that and maybe you end up saying things that you're like, gosh, I wish I'd have never said that. I've gotten myself in a mess. Or you leave because you're a believer, right? And you're trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, live the right way. You've been around that negativity for so much. You leave and you find yourself having to repent on a regular basis because you have joined in. Because you have, you have you've caved in again. And, and, and scripture says, be careful with this. There's a sense of conviction you feel after. Now, here's the way of thinking of this. Do they make you better? Do they sharpen you and you sharpen them? Now, I know some of us are thinking, and I, I want to address this. We're thinking, yeah, but man, I'm, I'm trying to pull them. I'm trying to pull them along with me. I want them to know the Lord, and absolutely, we're going to address this in a second. It is imperative that we see how important that is. I started thinking back when I was uh, that, that kid, okay, that kid that you saw a minute ago. I started thinking about that kid. He was at a youth camp, um, that, that Bart Howell in 1985, and I remember hearing a speaker around that same time. That kid that came up on the screen did not know Jesus yet. He was being exposed to the things of Christ, but he didn't know Jesus yet. And, and I started thinking about him. This, this youth camp speaker started talking about started talking about, he had a chair up on stage, and I don't have time for this today, but just envision this, and he got two volunteers, two students, and he had one that was up on top of the chair, and one who was down on the ground, 
And he said, this one on the chair, they're not perfect. Both are, are flawed. But this one on the chair is striving to be more like Christ. He wants to grow. He wants to make good decisions. Again, not perfect. But this one who's down on the ground, they're really not interested in those kinds of things whatsoever. And this is what he said. What is the likelihood of you being able to pull that person up where you are? Is it easier to pull them up or is it easier for them to pull you down? And that kind of resonated with me because at that time, I, I had surrounded myself with what I would tell you. It's not that, it's not that God doesn't love them, it's not, and we're going to talk about this. It's not that they didn't need Jesus, but what I found was I continued to make bad decisions because of some of the other young men that I was surrounding myself with. Now, you may be thinking, Bart, are we supposed to forsake these friends? Is that what Solomon's saying? Is that what the Lord is telling us to do, those who don't know Jesus yet? Is that the kind of advice that, no, that is not what is being said. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, do you know what Jesus was most criticized for? Do you know how they insulted him? They called him, this was an insult, not a compliment, a friend to who? Sinners. A friend to sinners. He was a friend to tax collectors, prostitutes, those considered by culture to be the biggest sinners in the society. They didn't accuse him of this because he hung out with churchy people all the time. Jesus was intentionally around people. He put himself in close proximity with people who needed the Lord. But Jesus, you need to also understand understood boundaries and he, he said he came to seek and save the lost but you need to know this too he had close friendships with some other men close friendships where he could be real with with them and they could be real with him and proverbs you may be thinking is it contradictory to how jesus lived his life and there are some things to consider i told you this is complicated first you need to think about this how strong are you in the lord how, how much are you growing in Christ? And, you know, are you, are you firm in your foundation like we just talked about and sang about? Here's a second thing to consider as you're around a person like this. Are you truly living with intentionality of being missional with them? Or is it just you're kind of haphazardly around them? Or is there really purpose in you coming along and showing them what Christ is like by the way that you live? Here is a third thing to consider as you consider friendships like this. Do you tend to influence them more or do they tend to influence you more? That's something for you to begin to weigh. And I can't tell you what to do about this. But here's what I know. Is the Bible saying that we as Christians should insulate and isolate into a little Christian bubble and not be friends with people who are sinners in the world? We're all sinners, right? We're all sinners. Here's what we all have to remember. We all were that person at one time. Bring that kid up. That kid up on the, there, you see that kid? That kid did not know Jesus. And I am so thankful that there were some who were very strong in their faith who would not endorse some of the sin that was in my life, but they loved me enough. Now that, you know, I'm glad they just weren't like, man, that kid is a straight up idiot, even though he was. He is such a sinner. No, they, they made certain, they were firm in their foundation with Christ, but they made certain not to, to isolate and insulate and they came alongside and they put their arm around me and they started showing me what Jesus really looked like so so I, I want you to understand that 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 we've got to have wisdom in knowing how to navigate this foolish friend we have to know how to navigate this 
right? And, and we need discretion. We need wisdom from the Lord. As we think about how Jesus came along and was called a friend to sinners, Paul would say this. This is really interesting. He wrote a letter to the church at Corinth, and he's dealing with church people, and he's dealing with, let me be real, hypocritical church people. And this is what Paul says in a tough letter to them, because Paul was going to speak some truth with some grace. But he says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But check this out. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. This is what Paul says. You'd have to leave the world to avoid people like that. Paul's saying, no, you are in the world to be Jesus to people who don't know Jesus yet. Here's what he's saying. Don't expect people who don't know Christ yet to act like people who know Christ. But those of us who know Jesus, there are some expectations here. And this is what he says, right? I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet continues on. Here's what he's saying. Continues on, and he, he goes through kind of a list. Continues on with a great deal of hypocrisy. This hypocritical friend who claims Christ, here's what this person does. They end up, by their character, by their behavior, they end up many times dragging you into same sinful kinds of behaviors where you justify things. And he's saying, you got to be careful with these that you let in. He goes on and he says the very end, don't even eat with, what he's saying here, don't eat with them. To eat with people in this time specifically to share a meal was to share life. And what he is saying is, you've got to be careful with who, that you're not surra you're surrounding yourself with these, these who claim to be believers. Now, now, Paul would address this in Galatians chapter 6. Where a brother would get off track, Paul would say, we have a responsibility to that brother who gets, or sister who gets off track, and to come to them as a friend would, and to seek, the, 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 go, go check it out, to seek to restore, bring restoration, help them back on the path, and we do this with humility, we do this with gentleness, we don't do this as if we think we've got it all together, because what Paul says is, by the way, you, you've got your own flaws, so you better be careful here lest you fall into the same kind of sin. That's Galatians chapter 6. Go check that out. But what he's talking about is a person who will never repent. A person who, who doesn't want to grow. A person who is, is a Christian in name only, but never wants to grow to be more like Jesus. Paul says that is a dangerous relationship to be in. This is what he's saying. Okay, see, see, again, I know it's complicated. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need Proverbs to help us. You need to weigh what's going on. Are you influencing people or are they influencing you? Here's another, here's another friend to be wary of. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates, say it with me, close friends. He who repeats a matter, then, then he would say it again like this, Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife, plants seeds. Seeds are going to produce harvest of strife, conflict, problems, making your life complicated. 
Gossip separates the best of friends. So this is the friend who is the gossip friend. We probably all have one of these. As you're looking at this, maybe somebody's coming to your mind. Do not look at them, okay, or point or elbow or whatever. The truth is, is let's be real. We all struggle with this one. We all struggle with saying things we shouldn't say about people when we shouldn't say things. But this is what it's saying here. You can love a person who is a gossip, but, but you can't really journey in life through life with them. Do you know why? You can't trust them. Because if they are constantly talking about others to you, if they will do this with you, my friends, they will do this to you. And you know that. So the reality of you ever really sharing life with them is not very good. Some of you have been burned by this. Some of you, if you'll get real too, you've burned yourself by this. Because you've repeated matters that maybe weren't yours to repeat and you separated friendships. You hurt others. They hurt you. And, and, and we got to be careful with this. Again, right? It's not saying cut this person out of your life or whatever. It's just you got to understand who are your real friends and who's not your real friends. Who are you really going to invite in for true intimacy, for, for closeness, for being able to be real? Where there is a void of trust, there will be a void of real friendship. you got to play the game with them. You know that. Right? And, and now, you know, you may be like, my best friend's a gossip. <laughs> I mean, they're, my best friend's a gossip. Well, you probably need to talk to them about it. You probably need to say something to them about this and understand that you keep joining in. And, you know, and when you join in, you are, you are essentially becoming a part of that process. And there's, there's friendships that are going to be ruined because, because of this. If you let this person close, I also want you to know this. You are asking for a betrayal. If you let them close to you, you are asking for a betrayal. You're probably asking for problems with your circle of friends, too, because the next thing you know, you are having to put out a fire that somehow you got associated. You know what I'm talking about, right? We've all, we've all had this happen where we're like, oh, my goodness, i got to go back and be sure that they understand that we complicate our lives. Solomon's trying to help us not complicate life here. Here's something that maybe you need to consider today. Me too. This week, I was, needing to, I was needing to confess some sin before God. I struggled with this. I've been the guy who, who said stuff that needed to keep his mouth shut. And I've had to ask people for, for forgiveness. Maybe you're struggling with friendship because you are the gossip. And people don't trust you. I want you to hear this today. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves all of us. He loves gossips. He loves us and he wants us to repent because he desires even for you, if this has been a weakness that's been in your life, he desires for you to experience intimacy with other people as well. And today what you might just need to do is just bring that before the Lord and confess it. This is a place of grace. Amen, right? You can deal honestly with, with this. Do you cover offenses of others? I'm not talking about cover up and justifying sin. Do you cover flaws or do you repeat matters, stirring it up more and more, more and more? Next one, Proverbs 19.4. Wealth brings many new friends, 
but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Skip to verse 6. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend of the man who gives gifts, right? This is the fake friend. This is the pseudo friend. This is the one-way friend. This is the friend that you probably think of who only hits you up when there is an agenda that they have. And as God begins to bring that to your mind, you know, when something only serves them, when they're going through something, they never reach out for you if you're going through something. This is the one way. This is the person who is kind of the fake friend. They have an agenda many times. I started thinking back on one of the churches that Hope and I served in. We were brand new to the church, had no friends really yet. And uh, this couple kind of started befriending us, and they invited us over for, for dinner. And we were like, cool, we might have some friends. Awesome. We were very young, very naive. And uh, as the night went on and we had dinner together, when we finished dinner, this is what they said. Well, here's the, I remember distinctly how they said it. Here's the real reason we asked you over. Okay, where's this going? Weird. Okay. And they said, um, and then they began to give us their multi-level marketing spiel. And I was like, that's the real reason. Okay. And we left. Now, when I told them, no thank you, um, we never heard from them again. I just remember we left that night. We were so disappointed because we were looking for real friendship. You know, you know what I mean? This is fake. It's their users. <laughs> they just use you to get something out of you. I say, Bart, why? Because you need to understand and assess who these people are in your life. And I'm not telling you to cut them out of your life. What I'm saying is maybe you need to lower your expectations and not expect that to be a real friend to you. You won't be as disappointed as you probably regularly are. Because you'll understand the nature of them and, and pray for them. Pray that maybe they begin to understand. They're the ones that, again, they only call you and then you listen for an hour when they got a problem. When you got a problem and you're going through crisis, the phone never works the same way, does it? You never hear from them. You know, a good thing to think about in this right now for me, for you, is when's the last time I reached out? To somebody that needed me to reach out to them, not because I needed anything, but just because I love them. Think about that, okay? Here's another one. Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather. Think about the cold weather this week. You take their coat. You're singing songs over them. In cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound, this friend is the fix-you friend. You've got a struggle, you have a problem, and, and this is the friend that they probably are very well-meaning, they're well-intentioned, they do care about you. Here is the thing, they can't really read the room. They struggle with empathy, and you maybe went through a loss, or you're going through a loss, and they're like, hey dude, what's up? And you're like... I just lost my grandma, and you're hurting, you're, or I lost somebody, and, I'm, and, and they're like, oh, sorry to hear that. You know you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, but I'm sad right now. It's not that what they're saying is theologically incorrect, it's that their timing stinks, and that is not what they need from you at that moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? What they need is empathy. Now, I got to tell you, I've struggled with this one because I'm a pastor and I want to 
fix people. I want people to be happy. I want to fix their problems. I want to help them with their problems. And, but here's what I've also understood. Life is so complicated and there are not always easy answers. In fact, more times than not, there aren't easy answers. Life is so complex at certain times, right? And, 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 and here is what I'm learning in this. Paul says, we are as believers, when a brother is going through a, a hard time, we are to weep with those who weep. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice. This is about normal grief. Grief is real. It's not over-spiritualizing, you know, a person's grief. There are moments where you've got to step into a spiritual perspective. But what most people need in the middle of their grief is they need you to show up and shut up. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. To show up. To be present. I was talking to a counselor friend of mine saying, I struggle with this. I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting. And he said, Bart, quit trying to do for them and just be for them. Because there's not a fix, an easy fix. They need you and your presence. They need you to be quiet. Think of Job's friends. Job's friends did great when they showed up. When did they go wrong? When they started talking. And again, many times we can't deal with the awkward silence, so we say something. How many of you have done this? I've done And you say dumb things. And it's like pouring salt in the wound. And you're hurting more than you're helping the best thing we can do many times is to be present, to just be quiet, but to be present and to show. Pastor Danny in his life group teaching on friendship this week, he used a, a quote from Henry Nouwen. He's a, he's a theologian, and this is what he said. When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, look at this, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm, tender hand. The friend who can be, what does it say? Silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us. Consistency, you see that? Consistency. In an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not knowing what to say. not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That is the friend who cares. That's a friend, right? There's empathy. There's empathy. Do you have to fix everyone? Do you, do you end up regretting what you said because you, you know, just learn to be still, learn to be quiet. Here's another one. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. This is the yes man friend. The yes man. And you know what? We love the yes man friend. But the reality is the yes man friend really doesn't love you. Because they won't take the risk of telling you what you need to hear. They only tell you what you want to hear. That's why we love them. That's why it's hard for us to, 
you know, to, to not surround ourselves with people like this. Many times, if you'll get to, if you are a person of influence and you maybe have some power in some kind of way, you'll see a lot of yes men, yes women around you because they have an agenda. But the moment you lose your influence and power, they're gone. So this is good to be aware of. Remember, Solomon's training up a young man, children who are going to be leaders. You're training up your kids who are going to be leaders. You want to help them understand what kind of friends are out there. Proverbs 29, here's another. He who is often reproved, yet stiffens his neck, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. This is the prideful friend. This is the friend who always has to be right. And they are very much in love with their opinions. They may be keyboard warriors. But whenever it comes to sitting down with a person and talking, well, they'll avoid that many times, okay? The prideful friend. They don't listen to anyone. They're con- we talked a lot about this last week with blind spots. They're convinced they are always right. They couldn't possibly be wrong. There's a lot of pride involved in this. There's not humility there. It's often rooted with keeping up an image. It's about something that has made them insecure. And again, I'm not telling you to forsake this friend, but what I would warn you and what Solomon is basically warning is this. If you surround yourself with people who are prideful like this, one, you become prideful, but here's the thing, you are going to be in a lot of conflict because they like to fight and your life is going to get more complicated than it should be they rarely say they're sorry in fact you can't have true intimacy with them do you know why (laughs) because the moment you disagree with them the friendship on their behalf is over you are now in the crosshairs so you can't really be vulnerable there, you, you know, and it's the standoff, the prideful friend, it's, it's, it's a struggle. And remember, we need to make assessments of who's in our life, who am I walking with, who, who, am, who am I making better, who's making me better, how do I need to grow as a friend as well? How do I need to grow? Remember, this is important because those you're journeying with will determine the quality and direction of your life. This is what he's saying. These friendships. Here's some ones, okay? Now, you may be like, thank you, Bart, for revealing all of the fake friends I have. I'm feeling great now. Okay. Let's take a turn for the positive now. And I want us to begin to assess and think about how I could become a better friend. And and start thinking about those you have in your life who are like this. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens iron a friend. So one man, one woman sharpens another. This is the sharpening friend, the person who makes you a better dad, a better husband. They ask you the tough questions, and they're not afraid for you to ask them the tough questions. You can be real with them. You can let your guard down, but you got to know they're going to There's going to come some times where when iron sharpens iron, there is friction and there are sparks that are going to fly. But you're so secure in the friendship because you know their motive is always love. 
They will bring you a hard truth, but it is laced with grace. Grace surrounds it. If now you need to think about this. If you, you're like, well, I'm the truth person. If you all you're ever doing is truth bombs, boom, boom, boom. This isn't in the notes, but here is what kind of friend you are. You're the jerk friend. Okay. There's a balance of truth and grace. They know because they've discerned because they know you when it's best to really just encourage you right now. But they also know when you have a blind spot that you're not seeing and they love you enough to step in and say, I know you don't see this, but I love you. I've got to tell you about this. This is the sharpening friend. The sharpening friend. By the way, you can, you can encourage people. That makes them better too. It's not all about negative. This is about, it's about spurring one another, as Hebrews would say, onto good deeds, doing good things. Here's another, Proverbs 17. Gotta hurry. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. This is in the hard time. Proverbs 18, 24. There are friends who destroy each other. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. You don't get to choose what family you're born into, do you? Now, they could be some of your best friends, but this is, this is a friend who you choose them and they choose you. And, man, you are so thick in friendship there. This is the faithful friend. This is the friend who runs in when everybody else runs out. This is the friend that even when, and you will, blow it, they don't excuse your sin, but they step in when others are about to throw stones at you. They might even absorb a few stones on your behalf because, well, they, they love you enough to step in. They don't shoot their wounded. They help them get back upon the right path. They don't excuse the sin. Because they realize they just as easily could fall right into the same stuff. There's a humility there. There's, this is, this is the, wouldn't you agree with me? This is faithfulness. Loyalty is a lost art in our culture. We turn so fast on people. We can't, we cancel them. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't cancel you? Amen, right? But he is a God of grace and truth. This is loyal friend. And I know you're thinking, man, Lord, man, I wish I had somebody like this. I, I, I want you to have that too. And I can't control that. I wish I could fix it for you. But this is what I know that you and I, we can do. We can determine in our hearts to be that friend. I will be that. You can determine to be it. Do you know that there are people in this community, thousands of them, who are so lonely, who are dying for friends like that? What if God turned us into this kind of friend? Right? And we trust God to also bring these. By the way, you got to seek those kinds of friendships. They don't just happen accidentally. you got to seek them. Proverbs 25, 
The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. This is the deep friend. This is the friend who refuses to allow surface relationship. You're dying inside. They ask you, how you doing, man? I'm good. And they're like, I know you. What's up? And then they don't give you advice. They listen. They shut their mouths. They show up. They listen. And they see what they're pulling out of you, what needs to come out in that moment for you to be better and to be healed. The deep friend. Last one. Proverbs 27.6, we read this earlier, but wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. This is the wounding friend. This friend will wound you up front, and there's some pain up front. Their motive is always love, because they see that if they don't wound you up front with truth, you are going to end up in a path that is going to be more painful down the road. They help you with the blind spot. As we read through this, what do we learn? True friends are rare. Would you agree? It's rare. Most of us will maybe only have just a couple of these in our lives at some point. And I'm not, not, not anti-social media. We leverage it for the kingdom of God, okay? But here's what I would say. In the culture in which we live, friendship and what is called friends and followers, I think is diluted and has cheapened what biblical friendship really looks like. We can let it, I should say. Not all of us have done that. But we, can, we, we need to help our kids understand what real friendship is. We need to help our kids know how to be a real friend. We need to consider, am I being a real friend? And I want you to know that there's not just people who are out there who are in this famine for friendship. There are people who are in this room today that a kind word, you being intentional, you caring, you noticing, you asking, you speaking up might change their life. we got to be intentional. What kind of a friend am I? If you don't have friends like that, I, I, I ask you to you know, be wise. Seek out some people. Begin to seek that. Begin to cultivate that.